We are so glad that you are here today at the River Church. We're going to be in uh, the Gospel of John, continuing in chapter 8. We've been in chapter 8 for, it's going to be our third week in John chapter 8. We're going to spend some time here, I guess. So uh, last week we talked about uh, Jesus as the light of the world, and we just talked about what all that looked like, what that meant for us as Christians. And uh, today we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. Uh, we're kind of going... Uh, not a different direction, but an interesting direction with it. Uh, what I mean by that is, I'll, I'll ask you this question. Do you guys know of, or maybe you, maybe I shouldn't ask you this, do you know of anybody in your lives or anybody that, that you've met that maybe is, how do I say it, stuck in the past a little bit? Somebody that maybe their, their life or their situation or who they are is hindered because they can't get past the past. No? Yes? Maybe? Kind of? So the, one, the, the, the situation that always comes to my mind is this very, uh, uh, very real-life character. I feel like I've met him a couple times <laughs> from Napoleon Dynamite. Uncle Rico. Now, Uncle Rico is this special guy. He, he's probably in his 40s or 50s. He looks kind of uh, interesting. And if you've seen Napoleon Dynamite, you know what I'm talking about. And Uncle Rico can't get past the past. Uncle Rico is always talking about back in his high school days, which if you look at Uncle Rico, you look, he's got to be lying. He's got to be making this stuff up. But Uncle Rico is always talking about how far he used to be able to throw a football, how good he used to be able to throw a football. Like the famous scene is he's looking at this mountain. He's like, remember, hey, I, could, I used to be able to throw a football over that mountain right there. Y'all remember that? Yeah. So Uncle Rico is the person I always think of when I think of somebody that's stuck in the past, someone who can't enjoy the now, can't embrace today, can't live in today because he's stuck in the past. Because somehow we always look at the past through these, these uh, rose-painted glasses thinking that the past was somehow better, right? Back then was somehow better. Like somehow today is not as good as back then. You can't enjoy the past because, or you can't enjoy the now because you're stuck in the past. Another uh, situation I think of when I think of people stuck in the past are people who miss out opportunity because they're too busy looking back, right? So the example I think of is maybe kind of a different one is Blockbuster. I know y'all probably never heard of Blockbuster. It used to be this place where you got out of your house. Check this out. It's crazy. You had to leave your house, drive in your car, go into these, these buildings, and they had videos everywhere. They were all over the place. They were on the walls, all, like everywhere. And you would go and you'd, get, you'd pick out the video you want. You'd, you'd rent it. You'd drive it home. You'd open it up, realize that they gave you the wrong DVD. Then you'd go back, get the correct one after you uh, talked to the manager. And, go, and then after you watched it, you had to take it back to the store. Crazy concept, right? Now we just have videos in our house. Like I walk, I'm like, what do I want to watch? Everything. It's all available, right? So back in like 2003, I think it was, Blockbuster Video had the opportunity to buy out this small business called Netflix. And instead of buying out Netflix, which what, for what would have amounted for, to be about a week's worth of profit for Blockbuster Video, they passed. And now Blockbuster is bankrupt. They missed out on the future because they were too busy looking at the way they did things in the past. We don't want to be like that. You don't want to be Uncle Rico, and you don't want to be Blockbuster Video. Am I right? Thank you. So today we're going to look at a story about 
Jesus where he has this conversation with some people. And he's going to have a conversation with some people who miss out on what Jesus is trying to say. They're going to, be, they're going to miss the opportunity to have their lives changed forever. They're going to miss out on the opportunity to have their future changed forever because they just can't get past the past. They can't get past doing things the way they used to do it. They can't hear what Jesus has to say because they're too busy being stuck in what used to be and not what he's come to do in the future. And so we're going to kind of watch this conversation unfold. I'm going to read. Um, it's kind of a long passage of Scripture, but we're going to read it. We're going to talk through it a little bit. And then we as a church are going to try to look at this and see what we can learn from this. Because here's the thing is that God is active and God is moving and God was trying to do something in these people's lives, but they missed it. And we don't want to do that. We want to learn from this story so that when God is trying to do something in your life, when God is trying to be active in your life, when God is trying to move in your life, you don't miss it. All right? Y'all in on that? I hope so because you don't have a choice. All right, let's move on. We're going to be in verse 30. It says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus is teaching and talking, and many people are thinking, hey, I like the way this sounds, right? Many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say that we will become free? So Jesus starts off this conversation. He says, if you follow me, if you continue in my word, you'll become disciples. Disciple means a follower of Jesus. You'll be disciples. You'll know the truth, and that truth is going to set you free. That truth is going to provide for you salvation, hope, life. If you follow me, you'll, be my, come, you'll become my disciples. You'll find out the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know how they respond? We ain't slaves. We're not slaves. What are you talking about? Jesus? And they, they look back to their past. They say, our, our forefathers were. They were enslaved to the Egyptians, but we're, we're free. What are you talking about? And Jesus isn't referring to a slavery, a physical slavery. What he's referring to is a slavery that's a spiritual chains, mental chains, emotional chains, a spiritual slavery. And he says, what I have come to do is to set you free from this slavery. Verse 34, Jesus responded, I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not remain in his household forever, but a son does remain forever. Therefore, if the Son sets you free, you really will be free. That's good stuff right there, man. He's saying, I've come to set you free. And when I set you free, you truly, for the first time in your life, are going to know what freedom feels like. I have uh, chickens in my backyard. We have them in this little coop. And uh, one time I made the mistake of letting them get out. And it was like they were experiencing freedom for the first time ever. They were flying everywhere, going all over the place. I was getting so mad because I'm ch- I looked like a moron, man, because I'm running around the backyard. If anybody saw me, I'm running around trying to chase these stupid chickens, right? They were experiencing freedom. And they were lucky because they, hadn't, they were about to become Kentucky Fried Chicken, if you know what I'm talking about. But they were experiencing freedom. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have experienced that freedom for the first time. When Jesus sets you free, you really will be free. Verse 37, I know you are descendants of Abraham, 
So they look into the past. I know you're descendants of Abraham, but you're trying to kill me because my word is not welcome among you. I speak what I have seen in the presence of the Father. Therefore, check this out. He says, therefore, you do what you have heard from the Father. So Jesus is making an appeal to their history. He knows they want to talk about the past. They want to talk about their history. And so Jesus is going to make an appeal to them of their own history. Hey, you've been following the God, the Father. Pay attention to what he's taught you. Pay attention to what he's trying to show you. What Jesus is trying to say to them is everything he's been telling you, everything in that Old Testament that you love and hold so dearly has been pointing to me for centuries. Pay attention to it because it's pointing the way to me. Verse 39, here's what they say. They say, pay attention to the father. Our father is Abraham, they replied. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus told him, you would do what Abraham did, but now you're trying to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, Abraham did not do this. You're doing what your father does. We weren't born sexual in, in, of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, God. So Jesus tells them he's come to set them free from slavery. The slavery he's talking about is sin. And we talked a lot about this last week because we talked about how the light comes to chase away the darkness Jesus came to kill the sin in our lives, to destroy the sin in our lives, to set us free from the sin in our lives. And what he, Jesus is, is telling us, is revealing to us in his truth, is what sin does is it makes you a slave to it. It controls you. He said, I've come to set you free. Follow your father's example. And they say, but we come from Abraham. We come from Abraham. And Jesus is saying, yeah, his example came from God. So Jesus is trying to point them again to this example. Follow the example of God. He's been trying to reveal me to you from the beginning. And their, their response is always, it's so interesting how they, they keep going back and keep going back and keep going back because what, what their response to him essentially is like, yeah, we're, we're trying to follow God. We're, we're trying to get that right. We don't, we, but we don't know this stuff you're talking about, man. Like, like, yeah, you're talking about this freedom. Well, we just want to follow God. We just want to kind of do things the way we've been doing them already. And what happens is that Jesus has this conversation with him where he tries to say, but if you were following God, then you would recognize me. You would know me, verses kind of 42 through 49. He says, look, if you were following God, you would recognize me because I am God. I'm from God. He's been trying to reveal me to you. And here's what they do. I'm not going to read all these verses, but they essentially revert to our, our second grade selves. They call him a demon and a Samaritan. They start calling him names. That's not a healthy way to handle things, is it? And what's funny is they call him a demon, and then they, then they say, are you either a demon or a Samaritan? And if we remember about the Jewish faith is they look down on Samaritans almost more than they did on demons. Like they looked at this race of people, the Samaritans, as like half-breeds, as people who weren't as good as them. And so it's almost like, I don't know which one's worse, to call them a demon or a Samaritan. Anyways, Jesus finishes with, all right, we're going to get past all this. <laughs> He's like, I've, I've offered you freedom from slavery. I've told you if you follow me, you'll know the truth. He said, how about this one? If you follow me, you'll have eternal life. It's almost like a plea, you know, like pleading with your kids, right? How about this? I'll give you a cookie. That's not two cookies. No, five cookies. T ten cookies? Then will we be okay? Right? Follow me. I'll give you the truth. Not good enough. Follow me. I'll set you free from slavery. Follow me. I'll give you eternal life. What, what more do you want? Right? Verse 52. 
Then the Jews said, now we know you have a demon. They're first, they're like, we think you have a demon. He says, I'm going to give you eternal life. They're like, now we know you must be crazy. Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. You say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death ever. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? Even the prophets died. Who do you pretend to be? Essentially, like if I was in this crowd, I would probably start to think something was up too, right? Because here's this guy, he's telling me all these things, and now he's like, yeah, follow me and you'll never die. Like everyone we know has died. What do you mean, follow you and will never die? Who, they ask him, right, who do you pretend to be? Who do you think you are? 54, if I glorify myself, Jesus answered, my glory is nothing. My father, you say about him, he is our God. He is the one who glorifies me. The father you keep talking about, he's the one that's pointing to me again, right? He is the one who glorifies me. You've never known him, but I know him. If I were to say I don't know him, I would be a liar like you. Jesus is getting harsh, man. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham, this guy Abraham, y'all keep trying to talk about, your father Abraham was overjoyed that he would see me one day. He saw it and rejoiced. So he's like, this guy Abraham, y'all keep pointing to, he was looking forward to the day that I came here. He was looking forward to the day that I came to earth. He would be throwing a party right now. 57, the Jews replied, you aren't 50 years old yet, and you've seen Abraham? See, they're trying to figure out this logic. What are you talking about, dude? You're 30. How have you seen Father Abraham? Y'all know the song? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons, they had Father Abraham. This is like centuries ago. How did you see this guy? Verse 58, Jesus said to him, I assure you, before Abraham was, I am. 59, at that, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden and went out in the temple complex. And this isn't like stones like schoolyard, I'm going to throw a rock at you. This is like, we're trying to kill you now, Jesus. This conversation went the wrong direction quick, didn't it? Like we're just having a a conversation about being set free uh, from sin, finding life, finding eternal life, and then Jesus calls himself, I am, and they try to kill him. That's really weird, don't you think? To understand why he did that, we kind of have to go back, uh, go back a little ways. Back in the Old Testament, there's the story about uh, when God sends Moses to set the the Hebrew people free from slavery from the Egyptians, right? So they're enslaved. They're enslaved by the Egyptians, and he sends Moses. And there's this whole y'all remember the burning bush. So there's burning bush. God's talking to uh, Moses through the burning bush, and Moses saying, "Look, if I'm going to go do this thing, if I'm going to go set these people free, if I'm going to go in your name, you have to tell me who you are. You've got to reveal yourself to me so that I can say, like Moses says, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name, what should I tell them?" Who are you? And in Exodus uh, chapter 3, God replies to Moses, and here's, here's his response when he says, Who are you? Who do I tell them to go? Who am I going for? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you will say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. What God does there is says, this is who my name is. I am the great I am. I have no beginning, no end. I'm eternal, always was, always will be. 
And so essentially when they're having this conversation, they're fighting back and forth and Jesus trying to just get through their heads who he is. They eventually say, how do you know Abraham? Jesus basically just drops the hammer, drops the bomb and says, because I am the great I am. I'm the God of your fathers, the one that you keep pointing back to. And that's why they try to kill him because he just called himself God. They missed it. The God of the universe is in their midst trying to reveal himself to them, and they miss it. He's saying, I've come to set you free. I've come to give you freedom from sin. I've come to give you life. I've come to give you eternal life. I am God, right? You would think that's kind of an important conversation, right? And yet they miss the whole thing. They try to kill him. These truths that Jesus came to reveal to them are cornerstones of our faith, right? Like we talked about all of these things, like these principles, these cornerstones are, for, for the believer, these are life-changing principles, right? And yet they missed it. And here's the thing that, like, everything about their faith was pointing to this moment, and yet they missed it. The whole Old Testament, again, the point of the Old Testament is to point to the coming Savior. And yet they missed it. It's like, as frustrating as this had to be for Jesus, more than that, it's really sad, right? And when I read this story, I see where Jesus says, you know, the truth will set you free. Follow me and you'll be my disciples. Uh, I've come to give you eternal life. Like I see all of those things and those are huge parts of this story. But what screams out, what like is overwhelmingly in my face is they missed it. And I don't want us to ever miss it, right? Like how sad is that to have God in our midst revealing himself to us working in our lives, and we miss it. And so I want us to kind of take just a few minutes this morning, and, and I want to look at maybe how they missed it. And I want to see what we can learn from that and how we as a church and how we as individuals can make sure that when God is active and working and moving in your life, you don't miss it. Because here's the thing, so many of us, maybe you're not a Christian in here and God's moving and working in your life and wanting to reveal himself to you. I don't want you to miss that. But then also there's many of us in here who are Christians, but what happens is God is still moving and active and working in your lives, but we don't pay attention and we miss it. And he's wanting to do incredible things in your lives, and I don't want you to miss that either. So let's take a look. Let's see uh, just a few things of what or reasons why I think that they missed it and how we can be hopefully different. The first one is this really incredible principle. The first reason why they missed him is they weren't looking for him in the first place. That's mind-blowing, right? They had all of these guys in their faith who were studying the Old Testament, who should have seen this coming, who should have been looking for the Savior of the world to be coming, and yet they weren't looking for him. The leaders of their faith missed that. So often the reason why we miss God working in our lives is because we're not looking for him in the first place. I want to encourage you today, be active on the lookout for God in your life. The first key is to be paying attention. And I know that's really simple, but we miss it a lot. 
for example, what happens is in my own life, maybe you're different. In my own life, what happens a lot is I'll be, uh, I'll, I'll be praying for something. I'll be asking God to do something in my life. And then I'll just keep on trucking along, keep on doing things my own way. God answers my prayer. God moves in my life. And I totally miss it because I'm not paying attention. That ever happened to you? Like you're, or, or how about this? You're like, God, I need this opportunity. I, I, I want this certain thing, God. I'm praying. I'm asking. I'm begging him to do it. And then he brings up the opportunity and I sail right past it. And I'm like, God, why didn't you do this? Like, it's that story about the guy who was uh, uh, in the flood asking for help. Y'all ever heard? That's a good old preacher joke. Y'all ever heard that one? All right, I'll tell it to you anyways. A good old preacher joke where he, the flood comes and the guy's like, God, help me to, you know, save me from this flood. And so everybody's leaving in cars and he's like, God's going to save me. I prayed about it. He's going to save me. And so the water rises and he has to get up on his porch and a boat comes floating by. God, you know, God, I need you to save me. Hey, man, you want to ride? No, God said he's going to save me. So eventually he has to crop on the house because the waters are getting so high. Helicopter comes by. Hey, man, can we help you? No, no, no. God told me he's going to save me. Moron, am I right? And then eventually what happens, the, flood, the, the water rises, the guy dies, goes to heaven. God, why didn't you answer my prayer? Dude, I answered it three times. I don't know if God says dude, but he does to me. <laughs> So often, God is working in your life, moving in your life, trying to do things in your life, and you miss it because you're not paying attention. Because honestly, as human beings, we're wired to be self-centered, and we're always looking in, and we're not seeing the things God is doing around us. Jobs we have, friends we have, relationships we have. Like so many times, God, I just wish I had a, a good friend. There's like 20 people around you that love you and want to be your friend, Right? Not those friends. I want better friends, right? I don't say that. I'm very thankful for the friends I have. It's just often, man, God's trying to work in our lives, and we miss it because we're just not looking for him to be working in our lives. The second mistake I think that they made, and if you take notes, write this one down, is that they were satisfied with where they were. They didn't want anything to change. Their faith was comfortable. We like the sacrificial system the way it is. We like the way things are going. We just, let's just kind of keep it the way it is. We're not really looking for anything to be too different. And here's the th another thing about human nature. We don't like change, right? Anybody in here like things to change? We like, like there's a reason why you have your same email address from your junior high class, <laughs> right? Despite the fact that it's inappropriate and you keep like, people are like, what does this even mean? Mine, I still have it. It was PK Hottie. Preacher's Kid Hottie at yahoo.com. I'm going to pass that one on to Gideon. We don't like change, man. Even the one I really use now, I've had since high school. It's Mike G093. And people ask me all the time, what does 093 mean? I don't, I don't know. I had it in high school. I don't remember. We don't like change, and, but here's the thing that you need to know about God's actions and movements in your life. When God is growing you and God is working your lives, that means sometimes things are going to have to change. It means he might move you out of a situation. He might take you to a different place. He's going to cause some things to change in your life, and we don't like that because we like to be comfortable, right? We like things like comfort is safe, and we like safety. But change is good because change means growth. 
Like here's the thing is our little boy Gideon, he's 11 months, almost, he's almost a year old. I love that kid to death. He is amazing. You know, he's, he's doing all these incredible things. Uh, like, I mean, to me, it's incredible. Like he burps and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was the best burp, right? Um, anyway, sorry. You know, but like he's still right now, he's, you know, he's 11 months. He's not potty trained quite yet. Um, you know, we're working on it. He'll be there in a couple weeks, I'm sure. But, but so every once in a while, we got to change a diaper or two. Um, and that's fine. I don't mind doing that. But in 10 years, if we're still changing some of his diapers, that might be a problem, right? That might be a sign of things aren't right. Why do I say that? Because things need to change there, don't they? And in order to grow, for him to grow, things need to change. Change isn't always bad. Change is good. Sometimes God has to come into your situation. When God moves, he's going to shake things up a little bit for you. And in order to grow you, he's going to call you out of your comfort zone, which is going to call some, for some changes in your life. Let me tell you about a time that God called me out of my comfort zone, and it changed my life. Um, when I was in college, I was, we had to do this internship at, our, uh, at college, and so it was an internship, like a ministry internship, and so I was already on staff as a youth pastor at a church, and the school said I could, that I could use that as my internship. Basically, like, we want people to be on staff at churches, like, that's the whole point of the internship, so you're kind of a step ahead, so you're good, Mike, right? You can just use that as, and get credit for that. So I was like, all right, cool. That means I'll be comfortable. I can just stay here at this same church and do my internship. Everything will be smooth. Take it easy. And I began to pray about it, kind of. I wasn't really praying about it, but God was bringing it up, and so I started to pray about it. And so I'm praying about this, this thing. I'm like, man, God, I feel like you're calling me to do, like, it's really weird. Like, I feel like you're wanting me to do an internship at Joel's church with Joel uh, Libermento. He's one of the guys that helped plant the church here. And so what's interesting about that is that I had never been to Joel's church. She was in Atlanta, which was six hours away. I'd never met Joel's pastor. And uh, whenever the Joel, I talked to Joel about it, he just laughed. He's like, my church doesn't know what interns are. <laughs> we don't do stuff like that. And so I said, like, I don't know, man. I just feel like this is what God wants me to do. And so despite the fact I'd never been there, the pastor didn't know who I was. I'd never met the guy. The pastor was like, yeah, sure, come on. We'll do it. So I went to Atlanta, did my internship there, uh, during the summer, got there. The first night I'm there, I'm sitting on the couch uh, at Joel's house, hanging out. I think we're playing some video games or something. The door opens, in walks this girl, and I went, that's why I'm doing this internship. <laughs> that girl happened to be Joel's sister, Katie, who's now more famously known as Mike's wife. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Arrogant. I'm just kidding. Jeez. Whatever, man, I'm the one that gets all the time. We like your preaching, Mike, but we just come for Katie singing. Just playing. What's my point? Change can be a very beautiful thing. And sometimes God will call you out of your comfort zone. Sometimes God is going to say, oh, we need to shake this up. We need to move you to some places that may feel a little bit dangerous. Maybe everyone around you is saying, this doesn't make sense. But when God's moving you into it, it makes perfect sense. And it works. And in the end of the day, you might not get a Katie, <laughs> but you do get what God is doing in your life. You do get transformed. You do get your life grown. You, you get your faith expounded. Here's what I want to say is don't get so comfortable in your relationship with God that when God moves, you resist it or refuse to do it because you're too safe. You're too busy playing it safe. Because he's going to shake you up. Like, here's the thing is that if you get too comfortable and you refuse to move, he's going to move you. 
And he's going to shake things up. And the reason why is because he loves you too much to let you not move. And it's a lot easier when you say yes the first time. Let me put it that way. It gets harder. The next thing I would say is that they were too reliant on their spiritual lineage. What they kept bringing up, the reason why they kept bringing up Abraham is that well, Abraham did it this way. This way will save us. We don't need to change. We like the sacrificial system. The Jewish religion had become their God instead of the God that it was supposed to lead them to worship. They wanted to preserve the past, and what they missed out on, what they didn't realize, is that they were trying to protect their faith from Jesus who had come to fulfill their faith. See what I'm saying? We have to combat that in our own lives. What that looks like is honoring what God has done in the past, remembering what God has done in our past, but don't forget that God moves now. God moves today. Expect God to move today. Expect God to move in the future and use and remember what he's done in the past to propel your faith forward. Use what he's done in the past. Remember what he's done in the past to expand your faith going forward because God wants to save souls today. God wants to change lives today. God wants to impact our community today. He's not done. Here's what I mean. Like when I say let, let the past propel your faith forward. When we went out and set up to plant the River Church, we started going uh, and learning different things. How do you plant? What do you do? Like doing different trainings. And they would say, well, you need to get 30 people on your team uh, to begin to launch. And so I remember sitting in my office and writing down names on my notepad and being like, I don't know 30 people that like me, man. I don't know how I'm going to get 30 people to plant a church with me, right? Like, and I'm writing down names and it's like, you know, it's 15 people and like, you know, four of them are under the age of two. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if this counts, but, you know, if their parents come, they don't have a choice, right? And so I'm praying about this. And, and I remember just thinking like, God, I don't know how we're going to do this. And yet what's crazy is when we launched, we had those 30 people. And even since then, we've seen as God has brought in more and more people out of, out of the most crazy, random, different paces going, I don't even know how you got here, but this is amazing what God is doing. Amazing how God is growing our church family. And what that did, has done for me in my own relationship with God is that propels my faith going forward. Because when I pray for big things and pray for big dreams, I don't have to pray and base it on like hoping that he's going to do it, hoping that he's going to hear me, hoping that he's going to move in my life. I pray, the, I pray those huge prayers based on the fact that I'm like, God, I know you move. God, I know you change. God, I know that you bring people to our church from like places. I'm like, how did you get here? Like you went to a movie, accidentally ended up in church and liked it? Awesome. Only God does that, right? Remember what he's done in your past and allow that to expand your faith going forward. Because now I'm like, man, I used to be God. I just, I just hope we can get 30 people. Now I'm like, God, let's, let's change the world, dude. Let's change the world. <laughs> let God, let the past propel your faith forward to pray for more, to grow more, to see more change, to see miracles happen in your life and in your world. Always be thankful for what God has done. Always be satisfied with what God was done, but never think that God is done. Be thankful for what he's done. Be satisfied with what he's done, but never think he's done. God's been working for millions of years, man. Don't think he's finished with you. Like, he's not like, all right, I got Mike saved. Mike, well, I am finished. I have completed my work. No, man, he always wants to do more, grow more, be more, expand more. 
the last thing I would say and is this, is you need to, in order to see God move in your life, is you need to chase vibrant faith in your life. One of the issues with these guys, these guys, one of the issues with these guys was that their faith was dead. They had replaced a, a, a love for their God, worship for their God with just a system. Like just going through the motions, just living out the motions. And if you want to see God move in your life, if you want to see God transform your life, I want to encourage you to chase vibrant faith, a faith that hears the voice of God speak into your life, a faith that is challenged by God that might move you outside of your comfort zone. And the simplest way I know how to tell you to do that is make sure that one, what you're doing isn't just going through the motions, but just these simple things. Like these are things that we hear our entire lives, but the reason why we hear them our entire lives is because they're so true, right? Like there's a reason why cliches are cliches because they're true, right? The first thing is you need to be in the word daily. You need to be in praying constantly and you need to be surrounded by people who are passionately living for Jesus. If you want to live a passionate life, you need to be around passionate life. You say, well, Mike, that's so hard. It's really not. It's really not. Well, Mike, it's hard to read my Bible every day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but that's an excuse if you want to get around to it. Like, let me, like, oh, man, this guy's mean. I'm going to give you a real easy way to read your Bible every day. Soap. Soap. Y'all never heard of soap? Soap. All right. It's an acronym. Soap. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Here's what you do. If you wake up in the morning, you have a little bit of time, you go, all right, I'm going to read my Bible, open it up to, uh, there's a good one called John 3.16. We'll do that one. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's our scripture. That's the S, right? Oh, observation. What do we observe from that passage? God loved the world. He loved you. He loved me so much that he sent his son here to this earth to what? To die for us so that what? So that we don't have to go to hell. So that we can have everlasting life. That's our observation. What's our application? Application that applies to, how does that apply to my life? God loves me. God cares about me. So if I want to know him, then I need to have a relationship with him so that I can have that everlasting life. Then pray it out, baby. Prayer. God, thank you so much for sending Jesus Christ to this world. Thank you for what that means in my life, that you loved me enough to send your son for me. God, I, I just pray that, that I would have a relationship with you. I ask for forgiveness, that I would know you so that I could have that everlasting life. Amen. Guys, we just did a devotional. That's inception. That's a devotional within a sermon. That's pretty good, right? Soap, it's easy. It's easy. So, nextly, pray constantly. Like, Mike, I don't have time to pray. I know you're just a preacher. You just work one day a week. You got all this time to read. That's true, yes. I do have a lot of time to do that. It's my job. But, like, how, how about this one? Pray constantly on your way to work. Driving in the car, in your commute. I know several people that spend their time in the prayer. Like, the thing about that that's so great is not only will you spend time with God, but you'll spend less time flipping off people as they're cutting you off in traffic. Like it helps your relationship with God in many ways. <laughs> and you say, well, Mike, I don't, I don't drive to work or my commute's not that, that long. Here's something else that I used to do to help my prayer life is I would pray in the shower. You shower daily, right? Hopefully, let's use that soap two times. <laughs> soap in the words, soap on my body, right? 
I would spend time before I was a morning person, AKA before I had kids, I would pray in the shower, right? I would pray in the shower every day. Like as you're lathering up, just pray, Jesus, help me today, right? And be surrounded by people who are passionately living for Jesus. If you're here today, I think you're in the right spot. I think you're starting that off well. A lot of people here who passionately love Jesus, passionately live for Jesus, and I would encourage you to get connected to a community group because that's a great place here at the River Church where you can meet people who passionately love Jesus. And lastly, I'll just say this, and this, I don't mean this, this isn't mean, it sounds mean. I say it because I love you, and now I'm having a dad flashback. Remember when your dad used to say, I'm not, I'm not spanking you because I want to. It's going to hurt me more, it's going to hurt you, right? Well then, dad, let's switch places, all right? If all of these things I've been saying to you today and you hear them when you're going, yeah, that sounds great, but I can't because. I can't because. Well, that, that works for somebody else, but it doesn't work for me. Yeah, big guy, you know, believe that God can do big things in my life. Yeah, I don't know. That, that works for Mike because he's a preacher. It doesn't work for me. Or, or God's working in other people's lives, but not my life. Or I can't, I can't spend time in the Bible. I can't spend time praying. Well, if that's kind of been your train of thought, here's what I will say to you as, as lovingly as I can. Stop making excuses. Because if you keep making excuses, nothing will ever change. Nothing will ever change. Because none of this will help you. God wants to be active in your life. God wants to move in your life. God wants to grow your faith and do incredible things in your life. But it's going to be hard if every time he tries, every time he moves, every time he calls you, you just give up an excuse why you can't. And so I want to lovingly say, go all in, man. Dive in with both feet. Don't let the past keep you from the future that God wants to have for you. I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to worship God for a little bit. God, I love you. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for what these truths mean in our lives. God, we don't want to be Uncle Rico. God, we don't want to be blockbuster bankrupt. God, we want to live a passionate life that is transformed and changed by you, God, one that you are actively moving in constantly. God, we want a vibrant faith, one where we see miracles, a faith where you're constantly expanding our expectations of who you are and what you can do because you are an incredible God. And sometimes the only reason we don't see the miracles, sometimes the only reason we don't see what you're doing in this world is because, one, we're not paying attention, or secondly, because we haven't asked. And so I pray, God, that we would be a church and people who ask incredible things of our God and seize incredible movement by our God. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen.